0: The views expressed in this podcast do not reflect the views of our respective universities, and in some cases, they may not even reflect our own views. We are not healthcare professionals or experts. Our goal is simply to encourage the discussion of these topics in a meaningful, interesting, and respectful manner, and to explore arguments and general thoughts surrounding pressing medical ethics issues. Welcome to the A-Dime Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back everybody to the fifth episode of Applied Discussions in Medical Ethics. I'm Ryan Kelly. I'm a second year medical student. Today I'm joined again by Vikas Kanaganti. Hello. uh, Tristan Lemon. Hi. And uh, Kenneth Kutchman. Hey everyone. Who are also, for the record, (laughs) fellow (laughs) second year students uh, here in Detroit. The topic we're going to be discussing today is a recent story that hit the news here in Michigan is the vaping ban. Mm. We thought it would be a good time to talk about that story first and then also connect to uh, physician paternalism and paternalism in public policy related to medicine so can you know the gist of, of the story do you want to give people background
1: sure so uh, pretty recently what happened was that uh, Michigan the Michigan legislature, well, actually, the governor of Michigan, because it didn't go through the legislature entirely. It actually went through, like, an administrative process that she had power over. It wasn't exactly um, an executive order by her, but point being is that there has been a ban put on the sale of um, flavored e-cigarettes and then flavored nicotine juices because, according to Governor Whitmer and some of the advocates for it, is that these certain companies that sell like e-cigarettes like Juul are deliberately marketing towards children. And since there has been an increase of uh, high school students and middle school students addicted to nicotine, according to the CDC, that was what kind of prompted this ban to occur in the first place. So the ban is supposed to uh, go for about six months before it gets brought up again. Um, I believe that pretty recently the uh, all the stores and companies have had about a 30-day grace period to apply it. Keep going? Okay. Yeah, you're good. So Computer error, sorry. <laughs> all righty. And, uh, yeah, so we'll see how it goes again in six months. Now, this has been met with significant backlash from the nation, let alone from Michiganders in general. So uh, a lot of people are very upset about this. A lot of people think that uh, they'll have to go to cigarettes because they won't be able to have uh access to the nicotine juices a lot of people think like why should i as an adult be getting punished for this why can't i have uh flavored cigarettes because or flavored e-cigarettes just because some kids are getting access to these things so as you can see and then a lot of people are saying well you know there is an issue because a lot of these kids in schools are they are sneaking in jewels i mean if you guys have ever seen a jewel they're pretty tiny they look like a flash drive they're really easy to conceal Mm -hmm. and you know they're they're flavored so um you know, somebody I know who's a teacher that's kind of had some first hand experience with this, she says that kids can come in and report that other kids are vaping in the bathroom or something, We go in there and it smells like perfume. You can't it's not like the yes. characteristic smell of a
0: cigarette or, you know, kids lighting up a, a pipe in the bathroom or something. And you can't exactly just go and search kids in school either. Exactly. I think so. I know and we might be talking about the same person where you'll have a teacher for example, and they'll get a report that, oh, this student in the back is smoking. But by the time you go over there, all the smoke's gone. Yeah, it's completely
1: dissipated. It smells like bubble gum, so you have no clue if they were actually smoking. And, you know, there's other things. The only way you could prevent it, really, is to just search every single student every single day for potential uh, vaping products, but then, you know, you get into the whole point of are you infringing upon their right to... Mm -hmm. To so their, uh, person. Just to clarify, is it a ban for everyone, or is it restricted for the people? The um, selling of e-cigarettes, any kind of nicotine products is banned to minors, so anybody 17 years and younger. Okay. But there's also been a hard ban put on flavored juices in general. Mm. So I, as you know, I'm 24. I can't go buy myself. Blue raspberry flavored nicotine juice to put in my Juul pod. That has had a, <laughs> gotcha. that has also had a
2: ban put on to God, it as kind
0: well. Seem like a blue raspberry kind of guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the superior flavor. For <laughs> so so it sounds like you know there obviously is a very real issue of you know younger kids getting. hands-on like you know nicotine products and even like raising smoking rates and stuff like that but i guess where a lot of the controversy is coming in is that the ban is just on any flavor and there are adults who have switched from cigarette use to vaping and one of the big draws has been you know the variety that they can try and now they feel restricted in their rights for me it's also like a double standard it
3: seems like there hasn't been like a similar sort of restriction placed on alcohol Mm -hmm. or cigarette use even so it seems like it's something that's being marketed just towards e-cigs instead of yeah. things that are also like on the market that haven't gotten similar sort of attention.
0: Well there are I mean there are bans, so you can't buy alcohol until you're twenty one. And the ban here is more about But like, there's no such restriction for adults. Right. Yeah, like what flavor alcohol. Yeah. Like like I can still go by UV blue. Yeah. Like I can go <laughs> no. get that's fair.
2: Whatever like brand of alcohol I want, there's True. no restriction on that. Yeah. And and fair. I think too like To compare the flavors, you could say, well, you know, alcohol flavors don't sound super kid oriented or whatever, but there's like whipped cream vodka (laughs) and um, blue raspberry. To to me, it seems very similar to even what you're saying, blue raspberry for for vaping. But but I do think that I agree that some of the marketing. Seems a little heavily influenced yeah, towards there, goods. there does
3: seem to be like dishonest marketing, which like you know
2: I don't
1: like I don't support. No, but yeah, but
3: it's hard to enforce. Right, that was one of the things
2: to- put mm-hmm.
1: into with this ban is that um, Whitmer's ban also prohibits e-cigarette companies from quote misleading marketing of vaping products by using words like quote clear, safe, or healthy to describe their products, which as is well.
0: the way they're marketed. I remember hearing, I mean, we're in the sciences, obviously. So there's always that concern. There's not been a lot of studies about the the long term effects of vaping. Now we're starting to see more concern over like the Mm -hmm. carcinogenic effects of vape and Mm -hmm. popcorn lung and all kinds of different cancers Mm -hmm. and all those things. So the way that they were marketed is definitely of concern. And the way that cigarettes were marketed has been reformed. Mm -hmm. So there's a legitimacy there in that kind of parallel. Mm -hmm. But it is true that it's mostly targeted to kids. Whenever I think about people vaping, we had a joke about it before because you see those those particular uh, types of people that are maybe younger that are doing, you know, you have like the vaping pens and the, the uh, I'm trying not to get too derogatory. But like, (laughs) It's definitely targeted towards a younger audience Mm -hmm. more than an older audience. And whether that's because it's a generational gap and you have older audiences mostly just smoking cigarettes, maybe that's a concern. But if you're trying to curb it, it's an interesting conundrum. Well, I think too,
2: like, I don't know exactly how to put into words how the flavors are marketed towards children, but some of the flavors that they do sell are more heavily influenced towards kids. Like I have a friend who vapes and and has like gummy bear flavored. And it's like when's the last time you have seen like an adult? Oh yeah, they sound delicious. Yeah, they sound like really good, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but like, those are like candy, like for yeah. kids, right? Like, you know, there's I can't imagine a self-respecting adult being like, "Yo, I want gummy bear flavor." Like, but but obviously, like, I mean, there's different preferences. The it's yeah. different like perspectives. But when you think of gummy bears, you don't think it's it's just I don't know how to put it into words necessarily, but it seems it's targeted more, it towards seems younger. more juvenile.
0: Yes, they're also like they legitimately smell very very good yeah, yeah like they, do, they do. smell good they don't smell like cigarettes you 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 walk into a store and you know somebody's been smoking cigarettes because they reek yeah and it's not really the case with these jewels so that's that could be really dangerous yeah. so there's the one side of me that says yeah like it's we should be looking out for the you know the best in, best interest of the public and we should discourage these things that are leading kids who are impressionable towards doing something that could harm them but then there's the other side of me that says you, you cannot be infringing upon people's rights to do what they want with their life, and where do those two things meet? Because we do have regulations on things like alcohol, cigarettes and these other things, so if, at some point you have to make a regulation. Is this the point where we want to make the regulations?
3: Well, I mean right now we have like at least for cigarettes and alcohol, like we have like children are not free to do what they want to do like until they're 18 years old. The issue with the vaping ban is that it extends past like it, it affects adults who ultimately should have the freedom to do what they want to do. Yes. And so if there was, like, a like a stipulation where, you know, it was banned for maybe minors, that's more, I think, palatable than what they're trying to do.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it seems a little bit wide-reaching, yeah. how they're reaching towards adults. Like, I definitely support the, the mission behind it. Yeah. But, I mean, even now, like, how many people have have you heard of or known that do underage drinking or yeah. whatever
0: like it doesn't necessarily stop it yeah but of course the only people they can target are adults it's illegal for someone younger to get it anyway so yeah you're not going to have a ban that prohibits people under the age of 18 from having flavored jewels because they're not supposed to have jewel period yeah so naturally yeah. the ban yeah. is going to extend to adults because you're trying to reach your target audience who is getting it mm. by an illegal source anyway so there's not i don't see a lot you can do with that It's pretty much throwing the
2: baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, the casualties. Yeah, you're saying that no one should have it because the wrong people are getting their hands on it. Yeah. Even though there are people who use it, I I guess you could say legitimately, but they, you know, because of how much misuse has been going on, they're just throwing it all out. A point I hear brought up pretty often, too, is that when you make something
1: available to 18-year-olds, you're still making it available to high schoolers. Which makes it a lot easier for high schoolers to have access to it, and then subsequently it can move down the chain. So some people have said, like, well, why couldn't they just ban ban vaping up to uh, 21 to try and see if that would make it harder for the students to get their hands on? Because that's that's the whole point. The, the crux of it comes down to, like, we're worried about the kids <laughs> is... The the crux of this argument that Governor Whitmer is making and those that are advocates for it are making. There's also been the stuff doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's been a, a number of cases. We touched on this a little bit around the United States in general of um, people breaking out with very serious cases of pneumonia that have, that has been linked to uh, vaping. But there has been a lot of debate on that between whether it is due to vaping in general, regular vaping, or if these people have been getting, uh, it's been linked to potential black market THC cartridges that some people are getting. The truth of the matter is that we, we can't quite say with certainty yet what it is because vaping hasn't been around very long. We haven't been able to study it. Like we've been able to study the effects of cigarettes and alcohol. And with these cases of pneumonia breaking out, you get a lot of people concerned that their kid's going to develop a severe case of pneumonia, and in some cases, people, some kids have died. Well, not kids. They were, like, young adults, yeah. 18, 20s, that, that have passed away. But that's
0: enough to instill fear amongst people, and here we are. So, as with every episode, we're not total experts in the field, and it's hard to say point to any type of specific studies that were done because there hasn't been that many done. But the ones that have been done have shown that it is linked to some serious consequences. And then you also have just basic understanding of, of physiology <coughs> and pathology, of what's going to happen if you're in, like putting these chemicals into your lungs and how the body is going to respond. Whether you have the proof and the data or whether you just can understand the basics of what's happening is, are two different things. So there's cause for legitimate concern. And the other the other part of it that I see I don't know if I'm jumping off the point too fast so you guys can bring me back if you want, but is why are we deciding for anybody what they should or shouldn't do like we make these decisions for kids, but maybe that should be for the parents to decide what their kids are doing like is this public policy concerning if it's just affecting the individual and is it just affecting the individual? I don't think so. but what are your thoughts on that? Well, you bring up a good point there because. I,
1: I guess we could talk about secondhand smoke and yeah. mm-hmm. whether or not you should. I guess if you should advocate for a ban on cigarette smoking in general, because you are, if you smoke around someone, the effects of secondhand smoking are very well documented in research and. It's very bad. So uh, children, children that grow up in houses with smoking tend to have much more increased rates of asthma, more hospitalizations due to uh, their exacerbations of asthma. So you can set, you can very much make a case that you are harming other people, and is that a violation of their autonomy as well? To Not
2: be subjected to harm because of your decisions. Well, I think you bring up a really good point with the the secondhand smoke because there seems to be a very uh, big disconnect between vaping and secondhand smoke between cigarettes and and vaping because you know we've had people, um, well we've known people who vape and they'll vape like in general there's there's an assumption that there's no risks from secondhand smoke from vaping because it's safer and everything. So you know people that will like vape in their apartments vape in the middle of a conversation like no big, yeah in their cars anything like that no matter who's around but these people wouldn't dream of like coming to your place with a cigarette and lighting up in your apartment and obviously like the smell you can kind of smell it after and it dissipates there's kind of some cues that you think it's not the same as secondhand smoke from cigarettes but still because of the lack of research we really
0: don't know and even that's only for some of them. There's a lot of different kinds of e-cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. There's vaping. There's the jewel pens, which have less secondhand... Or I guess you wouldn't call it secondhand smoke. They have less mm-hmm. discharge, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Because I've been at places where somebody has... I'm going to sound like an idiot because I don't know what it's called. The huge ones. The huge vape... Uh, like a box spot yeah, or something? Yeah. And they're blowing <laughs> smoke all over the place. Like, it's in my face. It's It's all over. Which is inconvenient at the least and dangerous at the worst, right? So it's not that there's such a uh, a lowered risk of secondhand smoke. We don't really know what the ramifications are as well as we know secondhand smoke. But it's not that there's less of it. It depends on what the device is that they're using.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And I also think that even though we don't know a ton about the specifics of vaping, we do know about nicotine. And we know that nicotine, specifically for nicotine vaping, vaping products, we know that nicotine is addictive regardless of the other chemicals. We know that it can have negative effects on blood pressure and Um, I mean, I don't even know how many other things in your life, but just the idea of, you know, saying that that's safe, I think the correct term should be safer than cigarettes, even though there's not a ton of research on all the other things. But we know for a fact, even if we don't know everything, we know that one chemical is literally addictive and dangerous. Yeah, but if you're going based off
3: that argument, too, so is caffeine, and that's widely distributed to everyone, Mm -hmm. and there's no such, like
1: ban on that even Can that's imagine a good they ban caffeine
0: <laughs> <laughs> coffee shop shutting down <laughs> <laughs> medical 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 students would riot. so okay we it seems like so we don't keep beating a dead horse yeah. it we're all pretty much of the opinion that it's dangerous yes and that we wouldn't do it yes but whether or not we should restrict somebody else from doing it we let people do all kinds of stuff that's terrible for them right That's not for us to decide is what we say. Mm -hmm. We still let people drink alcohol. We still let... I mean, we drink. Mm -hmm. We don't drink to excess, ideally. (laughs) Right? I don't think any of us are alcoholics. So, but there's things that we allow the public to do. Not we as if I'm some authority, but... that could be harmful for them when we don't intervene. So why is this the case where we should intervene? And if this isn't the case, maybe we should just let everything go. Like we made the correlation with cigarettes, but maybe the option is, well, we don't restrict cigarette use either because we don't restrict, we don't want to restrict vape use. And it's the same argument. Or do the same arguments apply to both equally? I believe that the focus should have been a lot more on marketing than
2: on just restricting in general. And I think as far as restriction goes, I think it's, instead of just banning flavors outright, maybe reserving those flavors for people who are 21 and over. Because I imagine because it's so popular in high school, there's a lot of seniors, like junior seniors who are 17, 18 years old. Like it only takes one person who's in that ecosystem to have access, and then you know a buddy who can give you this stuff. Whereas if you're 21 years old, it's a lot harder. You have to know someone who isn't directly related to the school. Yeah. I and mean, restri- sorry, but restrictions like are very easy to get around, as you mm-hmm. were saying.
3: Marketing is different. That's something that has like a longitudinal effect, and that's something that's been done with cigarettes. Mm-hmm. So the marketing has totally changed from the 50s to now on cigarettes, and that's something we could do for vaping. But I, yeah, I'd agree. I don't know if restrictions are going to be that effective in terms of like
1: getting high schoolers off of it. Definitely. Um, should we stop having high schoolers eat
0: like food high in salt as yeah. well to prevent their risk for hypertension What about obese, obese parents? Their children are statistically much more highly likely to become obese themselves That's a health risk to the children. At what point do we step in? I mean, we can bring up the, the ban in New York in 2013 About the size of soft drinks that you're able to sell it had to be limited to less than uh, 16 ounces not milk. Not no not like. <laughs> I may or may not have said milk no earlier. i um, You get a shot of soft drink. <laughs> so, and that, that was quickly uh, rescinded by the Supreme Court in New York, right? Yes. Yeah, uh, to the, Supreme Court. Right, the state Supreme Court. Yeah. So in that case, it was decided, no, you've overstepped the bounds, right? But, I mean, diabetes and the poor diet in the United States and heart disease are the number one killers of anybody. So if there's anything we should be concerned of, it's, it's the American diet. So why do we decide in that case, it's not for us to step in, but in the case of vaping, which affects, a, you know, in terms of the ratio, a much smaller proportion of the population, why in this case do we say it's okay? Yeah, I think,
2: I definitely see what you're saying, and I agree that I think there are other things that maybe need to be focused on. But I, I think the reason why it's been making a lot more Public news and maybe why it's causing more of an uproar is just how quickly it's become an epidemic. Where obese parents and obesity in general is not new to our country, even though it's gotten worse, but it's been around. But the fact that e-cigarettes have been around for what maybe a decade at this point—not not very long in the the scope of things—but it's already gone up to about uh, almost thirty percent of high school teenagers using e-cigarettes, and so that to me that seems like that uptick at such a short timeline is what's causing people to step in, as opposed to just the grand scheme of all diseases or all health risks. That statistic comes from FDA.gov yeah, as
0: FDA. well. So you think the, the sense of urgency is what causes the ramifications? I, I think there's like a level of acceptable risk or acceptable
2: issues. And I think that because it's been around for so long, people are making some steps towards it. And obviously, everyone's wanting to improve health overall, like, you know, community programs and, you know, healthier meals at lunch and everything. But I think because this has been almost seen as an epidemic because of how quickly it's risen, um, I think that's why there's more of a focus. Not that I agree with the banning procedure, but I think that's why there's a bigger focus.
0: I I certainly think that's a contributing factor. Mm Yeah, it makes total sense. The the question, I guess, that I'm getting at, uh, without stating my opinion over (laughs) (laughs) is. Is what is the role of a physician in influencing public policy? Right, because these most of these these bans are pointing towards, you know, statistics in medicine that point towards a reason that we have as a society to make this change or this change in the law. So, what is the role of a physician in determining those changes that the public should make? Because it goes beyond just you know the one-on-one patient interaction. Right, you can tell a patient, hey, I think it's you know, you need to lose some weight, you have these risks of heart disease would be my medical advice for you to do this. But you also don't demand that they do that. You give them your medical advice to change this behavior versus a law where it's a demand that you change that behavior. And it's based on physician statistics and physician research and advice. So is that the natural place for medicine to be used or not? Do you think? (laughs)
3: <laughs> i had to think t- about that <laughs> i personally don't think it is i think the role of physician to be to give their best medical advice but at the end of the day like we don't live in a society that prizes good health we we live in a society that pr- like prizes freedom to do what you want more than anything and so when you live in a society like that it's very hard to get people to change to do things that they probably wouldn't want to do in their personal lives. And I think as a physician, that's probably not our best role and not, not a good, not use of our time. I don't think.
2: Yeah. I think, I think making recommendations to the public is a great idea. And I think if, you know, there are policymakers wanting, you know, opinions and statistics, I mean, I don't think it's wrong for physicians to be doing the research that they're doing. Like, I think it's important for the public to know, but as far as I think, I prefer to advocate on an individual basis. Um, I, to me, I think where it gets tricky is when it's minors and sketchy uh, marketing practices. Because yeah. I think, to me, again, I already said, it, but that's that's where I think a lot more of the issue lies. Right. Well, what about with like
1: seatbelts?
0: When it was enacted into law that you have to wear a seatbelt, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, there's what I was. Yeah, that's a good point. What I was going to say next is we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. Speed limits, <laughs> yeah. seat belts, safety regulations on cars. Mm-hmm. There's we're, the public, or the, I guess you'd call it the public. There are a lot of regulations that are in place for public safety and public well being that you don't think about every day. Mm-hmm. And some of them are good. So there are times when you should step in and there are times when you shouldn't. And how do you decide?
3: But I don't know if physicians had a direct role in those. Yeah. Maybe not. Because, like, smoking on airplanes, that directly came from a medical student. Like, you can't smoke on airplanes. That was a policy put forward by a medical student that got lobbied in Congress. So that's something, like, you can see um, in terms of, like, something that a physician or, like, the medical field had like But in terms of, like, seatbelts and all that, yeah, I don't know if physicians have a direct role in that. But you do bring up a good point.
0: Like, where do we draw the line in terms of all that? Well, without going down, like, what will sound like conspiracy theory core... <laughs> There's, I mean, insurance companies Mm -hmm. have... A big role, yeah, in lobbying do. for. I don't think that's conspiracy cars. theory. I think that's so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This speed, speed limit yeah. is how much is this company willing to pay yeah. based on the possible damages to the car or the individual based yeah. on a certain speed and chance of accident. It's all in a you know a table to decide what's the relative risk of allowing people to go this fast versus this fast, and how much money are we willing to allocate versus for this risk. So I, we're making those decisions all the time, even if it's not just necessary a physician decision. In this case it is a medical. If question. we want to
3: get into more conspiracy theories, <laughs> there is a there is I mean there are conspiracy theories who like put out that like this huge movement against vaping is like kind of precipitated by cigarette companies who are seeing like a drop in their sales. Mm-hmm. And so that's mm-hmm. something that people
2: have brought up. And mm-hmm. that's like very much conspiracy. So I don't know what like, like <laughs>
0: your guys' thoughts are. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second.
2: Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> well, I think with the with the speed limit, at least yeah. seatbelt, not as much. But I think the speed limit, regardless of like how it came into law, I, it is true that like the damage done to an individual is greater at greater speeds. Just physics there, uh, negating all the other like safety and minutia. But I, I think that almost comes into like. Uh, an issue where other people are affected other than the driver. The seatbelt just affects the driver or the passenger and it's their choice. Whereas speeding, you have statistically a greater risk of, if you're going faster, of creating more
0: damage, than maybe on a bystander. Not actually true. Really? Yeah. Okay. But we won't get into like speed <laughs> considerations. Oh, because okay. then, then you could have the speed limit be 30 miles an hour and then everybody would be safer. Yeah, that's not true. I think just like the risk in the individual accident. Yeah, there's there's a lot more to it. And it's not necessarily just from the passenger, because if you cause an accident where another driver is killed, Mm -hmm. that is an increase. This is really morbid to talk about, but that's an increased cost of litigation for the insurance company, depending on if you were insured for liability for the other driver. So it's not just for the person involved. It's also for other people. Yeah. So there's a lot of risk. But even going back to specific, uh, specific things for uh, in the field of medicine and making these policy changes, the airplane thing, would that be a bad decision? That was a decision based on medical advice that we shouldn't allow people to smoke on airplanes. Was that the right decision to make? I I think so. I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I, I think because it affects other people mm-hmm.
2: on the plane. So. Yeah, absolutely. Even smoking in restaurants, like that's been banned in Michigan. Uh, that you can't, they used to be smoking in non-smoking sections. And yeah, I, remember I remember growing up. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew yeah. up with that and, yeah, I, and I remember they banned it. I kind of forgot that was a thing. Yeah. yeah. It's like a
0: no-peeing section in a pool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good analogy. <laughs> oh, I remember, there was a time when, yeah, you would go and and ask. I don't think ass, I've
3: ever been in a pool with a no-peeing section. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was just not. Just getting thing. everywhere. anyway.
0: <laughs> there would be a time where, yeah, you'd go into a restaurant and you'd have a, uh, if you want smoking or not, and then you'd just be, say, whatever's first available.
1: Yeah, I, c- I can certainly <laughs> say as,
2: as an asthmatic, the non-smoking section didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. But, but yeah, I think, I think because it affects other people, I think that's where policy, regardless of being a physician or not, I think they're, you know it gets out of autonomy and you're affecting right. other people. So then if
1: the physicians shouldn't be the one to do it, then who should be? Because don't you think that people that are going to be making this legislation and these policies should be well-informed in the first place? And probably the most qualified people to do that are going to be people that have experience in medicine,
0: physicians or nurses, just people in healthcare. Yeah, I think if you're going to make a decision, it has to be informed by a professional in that field. And the only professionals for those fields are physicians. So I, I do, I think it's unavoidable and I do think it can be good. But I think the key point is like what Tristan was bringing up in Vecas is when it starts to to stop affecting just the individual and to start affecting other people around, because then it's not just patient autonomy. I have no control <laughs> over this. <laughs> See, if I if I mute the computer, then the thing doesn't work. The doesn't work so excuse the emails. Um, but if you, uh, I might leave that in anyway and just go to this. But um, so yeah, the the issue comes with what Tristan and Makos were saying is when those effects start to hurt other people because then it goes away from just being patient autonomy and one person's decision. But the correlation with cigarettes is still valid because we do not restrict cigarette use entirely. And cigarettes can be attained just as easily as any of these uh, vapes and jewels and all of these other things because, sound like an old man, because (laughs) they were attained before. If it wasn't vaping, it would be cigarettes, right? And then the concern that you brought up is that uh, or I think Vakas brought it up, is that these could lead people into just going back to cigarettes anyway, right? If it's not it one Tristan, Tristan if yeah. it's not one thing, it's going to be another, yeah. right? The yeah. nicotine addiction yeah. is what you talked about.
2: Yeah, I think so. I I wonder if um, I wonder if banning flavors would cause that or not. In my opinion, and I'm curious to know what to you. To clarify, guys are too, they haven't banned tobacco or non-flavored. Yes.
0: Ones. Yeah, so you can get tobacco-flavored vape juice, but. And From what I've heard, it, it has to be traditional. Traditional poison tastes. Yes. <laughs> you have to know that it smells terrible. <laughs> yeah.
2: Can't taste good, and that's <laughs> and that's why I wonder because I think people who started on vaping were like led to believe it's the safer option, everything like this, you know, healthier, and and if they like the flavors, they like the flavors, and all all of the let's say benefits of vaping. But if your only options for vaping were tobacco flavored or non flavored. Do you, what do you guys think? Would, do you think people would migrate full-on to, like, cigarettes? That seems almost like going even further back. That,
3: that is a strong statement, but I do think there's legitimacy in that. I think there's always going to be something that teenagers will gravitate towards that they can do that's, like, a little bit edgier, like, I don't know. So, yeah, they, there's a good chance that they might. I don't know. I mm. can't say for certain, but, mm. yeah.
0: There's nicotine. There's also some flavors that are without nicotine. Yeah. And the idea there is that you won't get addicted. Right? And I've had plenty of people ask me what I thought about Juul, as if I would know. Like, do you, do you think this is safer or not? And they're like, well, you're putting something in your lungs, probably not very good. Like, well, it doesn't have nicotine, so you won't get attached to that. But then you don't. You also don't get any type of buzz or any, like, you don't get that dependency. So you're just doing it to do it, I guess. To I think it helps people. I, I think it's
2: maybe not used this way, but I think it was intended for people who... Uh, are trying to get off cigarettes.
0: You start with a I mean, higher there's, nicotine there's still percentage, that, and, yeah. and there are some yeah. people, yeah. for the people record, who do that successfully. Yeah, yeah. 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 but but the the question here is, we keep going back to it, is for the kids who are going to be um, not even kids, like little kids, you know, young adults, let's say, who are going to be influenced by that and get on that type of have it and cause problems it's it's affecting even middle schoolers too
2: which yeah. is crazy uh, so I, even you saying kids i don't i don't think that's wrong mm-hmm. wow yeah. if i find I, I think one of the biggest things to think about with this is that vaping is very unique in the fact
1: that you can't easily detect it you can't go into the bathroom and know that kids have been vaping it's they're so tiny jewels are so tiny you can have a kid literally put it down their sleeve and they're like in class, to like put their arm up, yeah. so like they're you know, like they're just kind of yawning, and they'll take a hit from their vape, and it's really hard to to catch that and to monitor for it, and I think that is what has led to this seemingly knee jerk reaction by by the Michigan government, which has got a lot of people in an uproar right now so i'd be interested to do an update episode on this in six months yeah we after just is. to uh, see where that goes and maybe continue this discussion a little bit further as well but you know, i think just to uh to give any semblance of credit to the people making this uh legislation here so if we can gonna go ahead and edit that part out that's a little bit opinionated <laughs> no but, no so i don't think that's opinionated.
0: i think that all. makes a lot of sense okay and also keep that in for for the record we think it's a bad idea to vape yes like i yeah. totally understand the motivation yes. and i'm not even convinced that it was the wrong thing to do mm-hmm. i go normally on the side of not restricting people's right to do what they yeah. please as long as it's not affecting others mm-hmm. so if it's affecting others then i think you lose that yeah, right I don't,
3: I don't think any of us are criticizing like the intent behind this like legislation i think that I, like they genuinely care and they don't want people to become addicted to nicotine i think but you do bring up a good point, and I think what you said was valid. Like, it is very hard, practically, to enforce this, and I think that's a strong criticism. And I think that's something you should be able to address. Yeah,
1: and which, like I said, what I think led to a bit of the knee-jerk of we need to ban it in entirety until we can figure out how to better regulate this and make sure kids aren't able to get access to uh, vaping products. Mm-hmm. so that they can sneak them in school and, and try and decrease this, these rates of addiction amongst middle schoolers and high schoolers that we've been seeing go up. So
2: it is nuanced, uh, for and sure. Yeah. And for context, uh, going back to the FDA uh, website, it's, uh, they're reporting in 2018 4.9% of middle schoolers uh, consistently use e-cigarette products, which is a 48% increase
0: from the previous year. Now, would you happen to be able to find the statistic Wow. Statistic. <laughs> <laughs> the statistic about uh-huh. what was the use of cigarettes. Yeah, I can find that. Because I'd be curious to know, like, if it's not one good. thing, it could be another thing, you know?
2: Mm.
0: Um, right. What do you, when do you want, like, the use of cigarette use one? Uh, before vaping got big. You can say, yeah. like, 2010, okay. let's say. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, another thing, too, that I'm not too sure about, if there's been... Uh, much studies done on in the literature, but what are the effects of nicotine on the developing young adult like as as young as a middle schooler?. It probably so, is good. We know yeah. we know the general idea of just the effects of nicotine and uh, carcinogen, carcinogenic effects of tobacco in general amongst adults, but I think it might be kind of novel that we have really young kids. It was the sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. That's twelve to fourteen years old becoming addicted to nicotine. So we might have some negative repercussions that we're unsure about. But I wouldn't quote
0: anything on that because I'm not unsure of any literature yeah. on it. I am I'm, I'm unsure too. The only type of thing I could say would be I I would assume that anything that creates a dependency, especially a uh, psychological dependency as well as a physical dependency, can only be harmful for somebody especially someone developing
2: right i think i think it definitely affects like the way that you uh become addicted i think i i don't want to speak with certainty on this but i imagine that if you become addicted at a young age it's harder to overcome that addiction because that's ingrained in your development at that point it's it's different than if you already have uh, a more developed brain and then become addicted to something you have more of a baseline to kind of fall back on but
0: in A, terms
3: of the research I just found, like, the rate of cigarette use has gone
0: down with vaping. Has gone down with vaping. Yeah. So, but from what percentage? So is it just being replaced it's,
3: by vaping? Uh, I think so, yeah. It's it's It went down, for middle schoolers, it, was, it went down 1.8%. And for high schoolers, it went down 8.1%. 8.
0: 8.1%. 8. Okay. So if you take the relative values, it seems yeah. like it could just be it's just being replaced, replaced by, by, va- by another years. addiction. Yeah. So, again, that doesn't really solve the problem. Yeah. You're kind of... You're using it as a scapegoat for a larger problem. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You, could, you could
1: potentially say it's a good thing that people are moving from cigarette use to vaping use.
3: The issue is that people are putting stuff into their lungs, yeah. and that's just yeah. there's two different modalities, and it's being replaced. One is being replaced by the other.
0: Yeah, like you, we don't know if it's good or not. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. the, that's the problem. Yeah. Is that they're, it's they're switching to something else, and you because you don't know if that other thing is bad, you're you're gut reaction maybe is to say oh yeah that's better because we know this we know cigarettes are bad right that's it's been studied for a long time we know it's bad they also used to say cigarettes were fine which is the same argument here well vaping's not as bad as cigarettes so it's good but if they're both deadly and one slightly less deadly it's still not good yeah. Right? Yeah. And we don't even know if they're you know what the comparison is. Yeah, right is now between. better is a relative term
3: because yeah. we all know what that means. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Very yeah. good point. Like it's not cyanide, it's just yeah. arsenic. <laughs> a, little, uh, a little better. <laughs> a little better. <laughs> yeah, it's only
2: squamous still carcinology. Could
0: could be very well be that's the case. Yeah. yeah so
2: and, and I think like we all agree, like the real issue now is the research yeah. and trying to figure out what's going on. And regulation, because as you mentioned earlier with popcorn lung, that was an issue with I can't remember what chemical was found in those products. Yeah, it was a
0: specific oh, specific true, yeah.
2: specific yeah. chemical that would cause I'm little, I'm Yeah. There. So um, so in that case, that was just due to lack of regulation and lack of understanding. And that's something that was found out from acute use. Pretty quickly they found out this was causing an issue. But for the other chemicals, we don't know with chronic use, maybe thirty years down the road what could be happening or you know. There's right. just a lot of unknowns. The, the base- chemical is diacetyl. Diacetyl, Diacetyl. Diacetyl. What? yeah.
0: That's just what it's called. Diacetyl something. <laughs> Diacetyl something. Yeah. Diacetyl something. yeah. Diacetyl. Well, it's been, it's gone now. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're shoving it from some because they saw pod that you don't yeah, know what's like, from
3: popcorn workers like who work in popcorn factories. <laughs> yeah. That's where like, the people so it's, it's it's come from. from. Yeah. That's, that's where it I didn't know from. that. Yeah. So that's I didn't know that. And they would have the similar problem. sort of health issues. Yep.
0: You learn something every day.
1: we're educating the public. There
0: you go.
1: Oh, two, three, butane ed. Butane-dium. So, or butendium. butane-dium. butane Yeah.
0: Bring back that butane-dium. orgo, okay? yeah, yeah, right? Going right.
1: back yeah. to, uh, well, yeah. I always remember yeah. diacetyl yeah. being like a <laughs> prefix. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. just diacetyl? Just
0: diacetyl, seems, yeah. Like, here, here's the thing that I find interesting in, in all of this, is that we're all pretty much in, in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty one-sided <laughs> conversation. That, in- that independently, no, but it's interesting. Cause but it's was, entertaining. I yeah. Know. But... The, all of these problems that we're seeing are a problem with so many things. Like, yeah. they're all... You could make the exact same arguments for cigarettes, it's just that they've been less studied. You could, like, And regulations like we were for saying alcohol. Before. Yeah, yeah.
3: And what we were saying before, even, like, with food use and, like, obesity, that's, like, the most pressing issue, I think, in terms of, Heart like disease. Heart disease. That's the number one killer in America, but we don't have anything going towards, other than, like, safe, like, healthier lunches, but there's no regulations or policies that have been put forth with the same vigor yeah, as right. this one. No.
0: Yeah, it's more of a public suggestion yeah. to be healthier. Mm-hmm, you have yeah. programs that are... Better. I know uh, Michelle Obama's... Uh, yeah, she tried. Like, yeah, yeah, but it's about, it's really about awareness yeah. more than any type of Banning, mandate. yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. And it, I think it goes back to, I believe it's just because of how quickly it's changed. Even, even let's say... The saliency of it. Yeah, even if it's... Uh, just replace cigarette use, I think, just because it's such a new thing in the public eye. I think there's just a lot more awareness. Trying
0: not to create a new issue because of what we already have. Well, also the know. ease of which you can solve the problem. Because okay. poor diet, in, in large part, reflects an uh, income disparity. That's true. It's a lot cheaper to eat these yes. unhealthy foods. And, yeah, if, if somebody had access to, to more funds or to cheaper healthy foods, maybe they would eat healthier. Yes. But that's a much harder problem to solve.
3: That's so fair. maybe yeah. that's
0: something that's put on the back burner, because I, I think mean that's a very good point. We yeah. just we just had lunch. We're medical students without much money, and what did we eat for lunch? Little Caesars. We had a five dollar <laughs> pizza, which is like the one of the worst foods you can eat, and we yeah. know that, and we ate it because we you know we have to make our choices. <laughs> <on> <laughs> <it>. <laughs> we not budget. We love it. <laughs> yeah. So maybe because of the the difficulty and the complexity of the problem, and maybe yes. this is a, on the surface something simpler. Yeah, that's fair
1: need <laughs> a little historical footnote yeah. too um it, really it took a while for the public to accept the fact that cigarettes were harmful yeah it did. so <laughs> even after just study after yeah. study after study came out the statistics were attacked the researchers were attacked the tobacco companies went yeah, on their own campaign. Obvious, yeah. yeah so i'm
3: not I don't saying that if, i don't know if they have similar sort of lobbying or stuff like that in the I don't know what, what even to call it, like the vape industry or whatever. Yeah, I don't know if that would
1: be a huge obstacle now, but yeah, it's definitely an issue. So the So I guess the point being is always be cautiously skeptical and yeah. optimistic about this stuff, you know.
0: Just yeah. don't put stuff in your lungs (laughs) (laughs) the
2: the way that much (laughs) the way i've everything in moderation (laughs) i've heard it said before that the only thing that's supposed to go in your lungs is air (laughs) and so whenever you're doing putting anything else in there it's not what your body is designed to do and so you can have some even if there's safer or more risky or anything you can have some certainty without the studies that it's probably not great for you Well, yeah, we also kind of have the opinion that you probably should have the
1: right
0: to do it. And yeah. It doesn't. The biggest issue in people. this whole thing is just about whether, you, whether or not we're overstepping. Not we, as if I'm making any decision, but whether or not uh, governments or physicians are overstepping in making policy, in influencing policy decisions that will apply to people and restrict their rights to, to or if they have their rights I'm going to end this sentence, restrict their ability to do what they see uh, fit. Right.
1: And how much should the general public have a say in that? Because this is where we come back to the point of paternalism. And to give a definition for that, too, is just uh, the policy or practice on the part of people in positions of authority of restricting the freedom and responsibilities of those subordinate to them in the subordinate's supposed best interest. And this is this is where the paternalism comes in. So a lot of people can say like, I know cigarettes are bad for me, doc, but I like the way they make me feel, and I still want to smoke. And when do you, you know, are we as physicians or the healthcare uh, policymakers in general get to say, no, you can't do that? And that's kind of the point we've been we've been getting at.
0: What's interesting oh. is that one on one, it's never. You can't. You can make a recommendation one on one, but you can never. Aside from if somebody has the expressed, you know, desire to to do harm, then you can. You know, you're a mandated reporter, right? So if they were talking about some type of abuse using the cigarette, like if somebody is putting out cigarettes on a child and you see a child, like that's a mandated report. That's child abuse. You have to say that. But if somebody's smoking in the home, and maybe they have an asthmatic child and they're sent, they you know they're causing this damage to their child, is that a mandated reporting incident? Is that any like that could be potentially worse than putting out a cigarette on somebody? Mm-hmm. That's, right? Yeah. When yeah. do you cross Put that? Put the barrier. Kid into status asthmaticus. I, so. and, yeah. I mean,
3: we keep getting back to individual health versus community health, and it's a similar sort of situation with vaccines, right? Like, vaccines is very much a community issue, and that's why we as physicians, I think, have more say in terms of like what our policy should be. But in terms of smoking, yeah, that's more you know up in the air in terms of like how much it's
0: affecting the public or. Yeah. So do you think the, que- the, the problem? Or the lack of total regulation on that is the uncertainty of how much it's affecting yeah. other individuals. Because there is some question about the extent to which secondhand smoke causes yeah. the issues that I it's, think it's more variable. Right.
3: Yeah. And that's when it gets tricky in terms of policy because policy tends to be kind of rigid. You have to make you know, you have to delineate what you're talking about. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, as far as far as policy not not in every aspect at all, but as far as things like this, I tend to have more of a libertarian type mindset of I don't want to overstep people's you know people have the freedom to eat the giant cheeseburger that's not good for them and you know take whatever but i but I do agree that as far as like with secondhand smoke and with things that affect other people directly i I do think that there's reasonable uh there should be a reasonable authority to like put regulations in place but yeah.
0: As soon as you start crossing the boundary and you're affecting other people instead of just yourself, then you need to have public policy in place.
2: And I think directly, too, directly affecting other people because you could say that even with obesity, like, you know, you're feeding yourself something which is going to pass on to other generations with your habits. Like, your kids are going to see this and maybe they're going to do this. Or, like, if you feed your kids unhealthy foods... You know, it's something that... And yeah, you could also say it's like a burden to, like, the healthcare system and yeah. also, like, taxpayer money. I think you can convolute things into, uh, into always affecting other yeah. people. Yeah. But.
0: So where do you draw that line? That is interesting, <laughs> yeah, in terms of, like, public burden, because yeah. that goes back to what we were talking about, is public burden on the system when you're yeah. making regulations for, like... Keep going back to speed limit, because it's, like, <laughs> the most obvious one. But, yeah, like, what about the public burden on the healthcare system? And healthcare policy is a whole other topic. But, yeah, if you have these, you know, problems with obesity and an uh, and increased incidence of, of heart disease, although I think it has been decreasing with public awareness, but it's still yeah. the number one contributor. I might be incorrect. I don't want to say not think. I it. don't think it's gone down. And it's, it's very expensive. Sure. In terms In of disease. relative incidence, I think it's gone. As it, okay. I don't want to say not I don't, I don't know I'm the specifics. Sure. But yeah. yeah. But it's definitely a problem. We'll yeah. say that. Yeah. But... Yeah, that's interesting. What effect would public burden have on policy decisions?
1: Um, I feel that could uh, start crossing over into the uh, dystopian <laughs> <laughs> levels yeah. of control. You know what I mean? Because, like you said, I feel like you could take any behavior that that could and, have some negative consequence and analyze, it and analyze yeah. its burden on society in some way, shape, or form, and we could put a number to all these things, and then we would all just be in gray uniforms eating yeah. healthy sludge every day so that way we don't burden the system any more than we need to so when, yeah. well, how do we prevent getting to that point
0: where wow. everything has a number put on it and it's all about preventing burdening this and burdening that i think that most of us would be to to try and avoid that most of us would be of the opinion that you leave people alone unless there's some type of extreme pressing issue to affecting the public
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And then you need to intervene. I and agree. I think that's probably what triggered, like Ken's been saying, the knee-jerk reaction to this. is like, Hey, this is something that, it, something feels wrong about this decision. And can we put our finger on what exactly it is? And it's that worry that people are going to start infringing upon what you're able to do. And they're going to say it's for your benefit, but who gets to decide what's best for me except for me? And that's where you start getting the, right. the anger. The fact this didn't go to a vote. This was just a decision made without the uh, the general
1: public's yeah, was, ability to vote very, on it. Yeah. So, and that is another one of the reasons that people are very upset about it. Because at least if if this vote went through, then you could point to those statistics and say, like, well, this is a majority of what Michigan wanted and wanted to enact upon.
2: But personally, I felt get to. like personally it felt like it came out of nowhere because of that though too, and I think that's also a reason why there's been a knee jerk is because. It's like, oh, they're banning that? What, they were thinking about doing that? Like, I remember when you sent me the article, I was like, that's a thing that they're yeah, doing? Yeah, it's interesting yeah. that
3: it wasn't, like, a ballot question or anything. No. It was just straight up that they decided to enforce this. That's super weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. we did that for weed. I mean, yeah. I don't know why they couldn't have done the same thing.
2: Yeah, it seemed strange. Yeah.
1: Well, one day, yeah, I guess they just declared it a public health emergency that yeah. was necessary to take swift action upon. Yeah. So you can see very nuanced opinions <laughs> on all this stuff. Uh, none of us would ever recommend putting anything other than air in your lungs as mm-hmm. medical students. But we also think that, that <laughs> you should probably have the right to in certain circumstances. And we'll
0: come back to this later. Yeah, we, we'll were, see where this goes. we were going to go into more about paternalism. But I think with the conversation we've had, it's we've gotten a good amount. Yeah, uh, we've covered good ground, at least in specific regards to vaping and like, public policy decisions. So we'll leave that alone for another episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you guys have any closing thoughts? We'll wrap yeah, it up.
3: I think it was pretty worthwhile just to like have something that's been happening in the public and kind of address it. I think that's kind of fun. I think that's something we could probably do more of in the future.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's really great to talk about something, even if we have very similar opinions. On it. I think just yeah. fleshing out why we have these opinions and kind of going through the nuance.
1: Yeah, this is a topic I've wanted to uh, discuss for a little while as well. I mean, I, th- I was the one who sent the yeah, uh, right uh, yeah, yeah, the article in the first place and be like, hey, this should be a this should be a podcast episode. So we,
0: we got a text message from Ken while we were all on uh, on break with a breakdown of the topic. Hey, we got to talk about this on the podcast. So I'm glad we did though. It's yeah. interesting. I like I like the idea of bringing things that are more in the public eye. Yeah. I mean, we've tried to integrate all of the topics that we've had into things yeah. that are more approachable for everybody, yeah. but this one in particular, I think. Was less about uh, things you would have to have any type of medical background on, as most of our episodes haven't really been either. Yeah. But it's fun to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's not like you know a patient case presentation of some sort where right. you go over. Yeah. You know.
0: I mean, I think this directly affects more people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not but- that we don't want case presentations yeah. in the future, because no. I think we are going to have some. Uh, well, we're waiting for the right time to like present it, but. We want to be able to bring up some good cases, too, in the future.
1: And medical ethics is a very broad field, so it definitely extends into uh, public health policy. And yeah, I so, love how broad it can be. You know, like we'd be we remiss not to talk anything. about its uh, effects in public health policy and where it belongs mm-hmm. there, too. We also found out that Ken's favorite flavor is
0: blue raspberry. <laughs> it's the best dum dum flavor. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The man yes. of great taste. <laughs> oh, I got blue raspberry, too. It's good. Yeah. Not vape, for the record. <laughs> Just blue raspberry. Just flavor. Just, <laughs> Just the, the flavor. flavor. not vape. But okay, so that'll that'll wrap it up for this week, uh, this month, um, and next month we should be uh, we're gonna have a a guest for it? Right?
3: Yeah, so we have a physician by the name of Dr. Jabenbach who works at Wayne State and the University of Michigan. He's a um, a psychiatrist by practice, and then he also does research in um, refugee health and also PTSD. And so we're excited to bring both of those topics to you guys. We're gonna ask him some questions, and he's gonna share his expertise. Um, and then we can also talk about ethical cases that he's encountered as a psychiatrist as well. And so we're all really excited for that. It should be about an hour. Um, hopefully we can get that to you in the next month or so.
0: Okay. Yeah. So thanks for listening, and we'll
3: talk to you next month.